right, everybody. Uh, welcome to today's I Love Real Estate Student Success Story. Now, every week we always have a different student. And uh, I've got to say, um, each time I find it absolutely fascinating to find out, well, who, who it is. Obviously, you've got to find out who it is. Um, and then the other thing is, um, what have they done? And um, you know, a little bit about who they are and how they've been involved with the community, how they came to the community, and also um, get a bit of an insight into their journey. It's always fascinating. It's always insightful. And today we have a very different story. Uh, Felicity has come in with a very different point of view. She has already been involved with property and been, been involved with a lot of education training, but she came in for a totally different reason. And we're looking forward to finding out a little bit more about her journey. Felicity, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Uh, welcome, welcome to the, to, the, uh, to the interview. And thanks so much for, for you know, taking the time out as well. Now, what I want to do is just get straight into it. Now, we've got a couple of questions here, and I want to just kind of find out a little bit more about um, your journey. Uh, it's always interesting to find out. And so can you give us a little bit of an idea? I mean, like I mentioned here, you've done 20 deals, 20 years in, in, in property prior to joining uh, I Love Real Estate. Give us a bit of an insight. What, what were you doing before you joined? Okay. Well, like I said, I've been around a while, um, and I've, I sort of split my journey into, I call them phase one and phase two. So back in phase one, which was, as I said, more than 20 years ago now, I was doing a lot of vendor finance stuff, um, amongst other things. I bought off plan. I built my dream home as an owner builder. So I, I did a lot of different things. And one of the things with the vendor finance deals was um, you you tend to end up with, with ongoing income because they're still paying you. You're like the bank and they're paying the mortgage back to you. So I sort of had this situation going on where I had income coming in. Um, every now and then a deal would finish, as in they'd either go and refinance to a normal bank or they would sell the house and cash in. So I had this sort of income flow. And I think to some extent I got on the comfy couch a bit. Mm -hmm. um, regulations changed and I couldn't really do things the same way anymore. So at that point I decided I'd had enough anyway. So I did get on the comfy couch. I had two small kids. Um, I had an online retail business and I was comfortable. I was a stay-at-home mum with my kids, which is what I always wanted and which is why I always did things like property. Um, and that scenario continued for a lot of years. <laughs> I won't admit how many. But yeah. to be fair, also fairly early on in that period as well, I, my marriage broke up. My, my mindset just went down the, the toilet. Um, my confidence was zero. Um, and so I call them my walking in the wilderness years. But, I, you know, people say to me, oh, you know, you came out the other end of that with basically nothing. Um, was it a waste of time? And I go, no, realistically, that phase one funded my life as a, as a single mum with kids for 10 years to stay at home. So I don't see that first phase as a failure at all. And often people say you never lose your knowledge. You still have the knowledge. Um, so, yeah, so... That's sort of where I started out. And then one day I woke up and I was good old nearly 50. <laughs> that happened to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, nearly 50. The last one of my vendor finance deals after over 18 years was paying out. Um, I basically had only had the dream house with the mortgage that was eating me alive. Um, and I had no serviceability because I'd been staying at home. And I suddenly went, oh, shit. <laughs> I 
I'm about to turn 50 and I basically have nothing. Um, okay, this is not good. And that was a very big light bulb moment for me because I just suddenly, it was like I woke up and just suddenly went, what on earth am I doing? And, and I recognised just how bad my mindset was and I was, it was toxic. Um, and essentially that's what led me into phase two, which is where I went, okay, I can't afford this house anymore. I'm going to sell it. Um, I paid out all the debts and stuff. I was left with not a great deal of money and I spent part of it on joining I Love Real Estate the ultimate course so which was one wow. of the best decisions i ever made oh uh, we well, hear that a lot actually yeah yep. uh, now felicity can i just get you to move your microphone just up a little tad just a, just a fraction yep that's it yep perfect yep. yeah perfect might just give you a little bit better better reception there thank you yep okay so look that's a um that's an interesting interesting kind of way to come into the community isn't it and it's like um yeah you you're in a bit of a situation and you you want you wanting to kind of like turn things around hey hmm. well i'd seen dimpner speak a number of times over those years and i'd always liked dimpner and just it just never quite aligned to join her course at whenever mm -hmm. i was seeing her um but i always liked her energy and her philosophy about life and a whole lot of other stuff and so when i hit that light bulb moment i recognized what i needed was i needed to be around my tribe or or, or a community of like-minded people that's what was missing for me i if I was starting with nothing, I was going to need to meet JV partners. And I just, and I looked around and thought, well, who's, or what's the best thing for me to do? And as I said, I immediately thought of Dimpno and I love real estate. Um, so yeah, I took my money and I joined and yeah. So I didn't come at it wanting the education so much, although I did mm -hmm. obviously learn a lot, don't get me wrong. But for me, it was very much about finding that, that peer group and that community. Um, so yeah. Mm. So coming in it from a very educated point of view from the real estate investing side of things, but it was like missing that 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 um, the, the, that that key that key point, hey? Yeah. Well, I knew that the thing that was holding me back was mindset, and um, one of the things that made this really clear to me is um, for all those years in between, I'd been basically telling myself I can't do anything with property because mm. I've got no money and no serviceability. So I had this. The funny thing is, I hear people say to me, oh, you know, I've heard them say that at, at the boot camp and, and I don't believe you can do it. And, and so at least you can sort of understand that why in their heads they say you can't do it, you know. But then it, it dawned on me, I'm telling myself this. And yet back in phase one, I'd done all those things. I'd bought properties with vendor finance. I'd bought properties with vendors leaving deposits. I'd done JVs with people providing deposits. I'd actually done all that stuff. So I would been doing properties with no money my own involved. And yet here I was, however many years later, saying, oh, I can't do property because I've got no money. I mean, it, it just, mm. it's mind boggling to me now that I could have been in such a toxic place that I honestly was thinking thoughts like that when I had personal experience that it can be done. <laughs> you know, anyway, so yeah, a lot of my journey from then onwards is, has been around mindset. And it's funny because so many people, you know, you hear them say, oh, real estate millionaire with you and all that. It's a, it gets a bit woo-woo and I just want to know the techniques. I want to know the skills. And I, and I, I honestly now realise it's, it's, it's here. It's what's in here. And unless you get that right, it doesn't matter how many skills or how much experience, it counts for nothing if your mindset is bad and is telling you you can't do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really crucial. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so how did things change for you? 
Like once you once you got into the community, what what happened then? Um, well, it just I think taking away the stress of trying to because I got really stuck in the in the thought pattern of how am I going to pay the mortgage every month and and shut out a lot of other stuff. So the fact that I sold the house really helped open my mind back up again and to start listening to new things. And once you know, I started running the coffee mornings in Melbourne, mainly because I just wanted to find more, more people to talk to about property. But that also helped me because, again, there were people I met there who helped me to realise how much more knowledge and experience I had because I wasn't giving myself credit for any of that. And yet I really did have a lot in my head that was useful. Um, it also led me to meet um, Steve Cook, who's uh, event approached me after a few meetings to do a joint venture. So that was my first joint venture after coming mm -hmm. to Ultimate, um, which went brilliantly. And he's now my business partner. So that was a, that's definitely been an advantage that's come out of it. But again, I think it's just that whole, that inspiration factor, that community factor, all the stuff that was part of my journey to clean up my mindset and get back on track with what I wanted to do with property. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, you, were, you were challenged excuse me, you were, you were challenged, weren't you, to, to write down some of the things you'd done <laughs> by someone. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was at a coffee meeting. And the guy who asked, was the first one to do it, was, was actually worth millions, if not billions. And he said to me, you, you so underplay and undervalue what you have or what you know. He says, I want you to go home and write a list of every single property transaction you've done. And at the end of that list, I think I was up to about 26, 27 um, I'm now over 30, but it's like I looked at that list and it just, again, another light bulb moment. I suddenly realised just how much I'd been undervaluing myself. And because they weren't all the same deal like 27 times. It was, you know, I said off the plan, renos, this, that. It, it's so many different things and so much learning. And, you know, and that was actually a real eye opener for me because it made me realise I had a lot more value than I'd given myself credit for. Um, mm. which helped a lot. So, but yeah. Good, good thing to do. Hey, good challenge. Yeah. Good challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good, good. Now look, there was something uh, uh, I know. I think you've actually covered that. That's all good. Um, so I want you to kind of like, can, if you can share a little bit about how you view the ultimate program, because uh, you've done a lot of training you've come in and you've kind of, and you've continued to do that as well. You're not someone who's just kind of jumped in and, 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 and taken one thing. You're looking at multiple areas of interest, other areas to be able to learn and you're, you're a continual kind of, ed, you know, student, um, you know, in, in so many different realms. So can you share a little bit about obviously coming into the ultimate program from where, where you're coming from, obviously, you know, from, um, you know, how, yeah. how, how does it, I suppose I'm asking how does it compare with others and so forth, but but give, can, can you share us, um, your point of view? Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, as you, you're quite right to point out, I've been around a long time. I've been to lots, particularly back in the day when they were common, lots of pitch fests where lots of people are presenting different programs. Um, and the thing I love about Ultimate and still think is its biggest strength is it's a great entry point. Like it's a great, there are so many different aspects to it. It's like, a, I call it a smorgasbord. You come in, you get to, you learn a little bit about this and a little bit about that and da, da And theoretically, you could basically go out and do all those different strategies based on what you learn in boot camp. It's not like you don't learn the basics because you do. 
Um, but it's the way you get to experience it all in one hit. And, and it really helps, I think, a lot of people clarify what they want to do because there's always that very common shiny object syndrome with people who are fairly new in the property space in that they sort of go, oh, you know, I'm thinking of doing this, but then I've heard Renault's are really good. And then this my, my other mate said, oh, commercial property is really good. And the good thing about Ultimate is you come in and you learn enough about each of them to be able to make much better choices for yourself in terms of what suits your personality, what suits your financial position, your time position. And it just gives you that oversight of so many different opportunities because realistically, all the opportunities work. They might not work everywhere all the time, but in, you need to pick the one that you're going to focus on because if you don't, and I meet a lot of people like this, they just bounce around from shiny object to shiny object and never actually do anything. And so that's why I love Ultimate because it gives you that clarity and that ability to say, right, this is what I'm going to do. And then all you have to do is go out and do it. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I think it's brilliant. Plus the ability to meet up with a whole bunch of other people and yeah, that community and, and all that ongoing support, all the ongoing work. I mean, it's just seriously, you could spend a year and I still don't think you'd get through all the videos and goodness knows what else is on that site. So yeah, that, that depth of knowledge that's available to you is just brilliant. Mm. And, and how does, um, you know, from, from obviously your training, um, how have you found like the, the integrity side of, of Dipner and the training? Well, again, that's having seen a lot of people come and go for a whole lot of reasons. That's one of the reasons I chose Dipner and chose I Love Real Estate to when I made my comeback <laughs> um, was because I had seen her speak so many times and I always got a really good sort of feeling of her integrity she really really knowledgeable I mean don't, <laughs> blows me away the knowledge she's got but yeah that that feeling of integrity was really strong the fact that she really cares about her students and really wants them to succeed um, she's not just there for a money grab because if she was she'd have been and gone long ago for starters but also the people around him it's not just her you can see the quality of people she attracts into I Love Real Estate and and they all come from a very similar place in their heart. And yeah, whereas other people I've seen, I've gone along and there's always just that bit of a, mm, not so sure about them. And yeah, and there's only a few that have really earned, you know, gold star standard in my, <laughs> in, yeah, there's plenty that have been good and knowledgeable, but there's not a lot that I really think have that top gold star performance level. And Dimpton is definitely one of them. So mm. Yeah. Well, good, good to hear. Good to hear. And um, yeah, I, I think a, a number of other students find that as well, which yeah. is, um, which is, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, cool. Um, now, Felicity, can you, can you share a couple of deals that you've done? Obviously, you know, you, 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 you know, you're, you're quite experienced with, and you've, you've done a whole stack of um, deals and in investing. Um, but can you um, share a little bit? I think you've got a couple that you could, you're happy to, happy to share. Yeah. Well, one that I was Still haven't found the slides for it. Um, <laughs> was the one I first one I did with Steve. Um, that was a basically subdividing off the backyard with plans and per and selling it with plans and permits and renovating the front house. Um, that was the the deal we did as a JV. Um, originally, Steve had sort of got to the point where he'd done a lot of the learning in Ultimate, but it was just that moment of pushing the big red button. He just couldn't do it. He just, every time he went to do it on a deal, he thought he'd found he'd panic and worry that he hadn't done enough research or he hadn't, and he, he was just going around in a loop essentially. So he just made the decision that um, it would, 
make more sense to give away part of his profit and JV with me because then I would kick his bum and say, push the button, um, <laughs> which I did. Um, but as part of that, you know, I did, I, I sourced the deal, negotiated the price down and, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, that was early in 2017. So we then mm-hmm. went into town planning and it was sort of all chugging along quite nicely. And then the Vic government brought out all their garden space requirements, um, which totally changed what everybody was doing in development <laughs> design. Um, and so we, we had quite a hefty delay there because everything had to be re- redone. Um, but it was okay because the, the property rent was basically covering the mortgage. So, you know, um, but then once we came out the other end of that, we sort of, yeah, continued on, got the, we did get the permits and everything from council. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as part of all that, the deal had always been that Steve wanted to do the renovation on the front house himself. And we, as in the feasibilities, we'd worked out, you know, we were essentially just going to do a fairly minor cosmetic renovation. Um, yep. But the market had changed and what people wanted had changed and the prices had gone up. So we decided, um, yeah, Steve, well, Steve decided or suggested he wanted to do a full structural renovation rather than just cosmetic. Um, and he wanted to do it himself to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so we sort of had a bit of a, spent some time looking at floor plans, working out because the, the house itself had a really awkward floor plan. Um, so although it was technically four bedrooms, it was really yuck. So we moved some things around, moved, shifted some rooms, changed some rooms, um, added a proper ensuite, and did a few other bits and pieces and let him go. So um, took a lot longer. I mean, let's be, let's be real here. <laughs> Steve mm, admitted mm. himself, doing the work yourself is hard yakka and it takes time. So we'd sort of had our original feasibility. Then I had the revised feasibility, which was much more profitable. Yep. And by the end of it, the deal paid us basically what the original feasibility said. And most of the loss in profit was time, holding uh. costs and time. Because, yeah. But but then I, we often joke that that was like his apprenticeship. So the money we lost in profit basically paid for him to be trained to do what he does. Um, now we've moved on to a business where we're doing that sort of stuff for other people and it's really paying off because that hands-on experience and understanding of, okay, this is something I might do myself, but this is something I won't because it's quicker and easier to get a specialist. Mm. All that sort of stuff you only get from running a job. So yeah, that was really good and did an awesome job. We actually had our first open on the Renault house on grand final day. Um, So it must've been before COVID. Um, 2018, it must've been. Um, no, 2019, yes. And, I mean, grand final day is about the worst day in the year to do anything with property. Um, but we in, had, in Melbourne, that is, for those yeah, people who Melbourne. are watching outside of Melbourne, it's grand final same, day. Yeah, 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 probably the same for rugby in New South Wales. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we had uh, something like 30-odd people or couples through the house in the, at the open in the morning, and we had four offers by the afternoon. Wow, wow. On yeah. grand final day. And they were above asking price. So, yeah, we, Fantastic. we had a brilliant result. The land took a little longer to sell because it tends to. Um, but, yeah, we, we were really happy with the result. And, and also out of that, we're now getting referrals from the estate agents because they know what we do in terms of managing renovations for people. So they actually have been referring clients to us because we did such an awesome job. So... Yeah, good, good. Uh, yeah. And did you did you guys end up with a little bit of? I mean, it, it seemed like you're doing this 
less for the profit, but more, for, well, certainly from Steve's point of view, less for the profit, more from the education side of things and getting into it, which is a great way to do your first deal. If you're kind of like, you know, you're looking at it from, you know, the value of education, like you say, is an, an experience um, that really is something that you can't, you can't get really anywhere else, can you? No, and I mean, we still made nearly 100000 It's not like we didn't make money on the deal. But yeah. as I said, if we'd done that structural reno a lot quicker and whatever, potentially, yeah, the fees that was better. But that's okay. It still didn't lose us money. So not complaining. The profit's a profit, hey? Yeah, that's right. Uh, good, good. Um, now, I, I wanted to just kind of highlight because um, uh, when you first came into the community, you were kind of like... Um, obviously not confident in doing certain deals and also did you like have a limitation about what you could do like um and the reason being is because you've got another deal that highlights a very different shift in yes. your point of view and that is going from how do you go from just a you know a deal which is such as a reno in a subdivision and and what are you talking about figures wise for that reno subdivision that you did i mean like a you know what do you have a rough idea of um, of 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 the amounts if you if you if you're getting uh you know about, around about the 100k profit from it yeah. what, what we bought in it it was just over 600 i think it was 610k mm -hmm. at the time um yep. If you're going to ask me for final numbers, I honestly I wish I'd found my, my slides. That, that's okay, that's okay. Yeah. But that but that's the kind of deal that you were doing. Yeah. As the first one, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you have kind of? I mean, you know, you you know what I'm going to ask, and that is you got you got another deal coming up, and that it just it it's it's quite a step. How did you get to that step, and and what was the you know what was the process for you to kind of like jump in? Yeah. And and obviously it's a it's a bigger deal if you want to share. Yep. Um, well, again, having come in with lack of confidence, lack of, you know, value, not valuing myself and all this sort of stuff, I've had a lot of people over the last couple of years telling me to think bigger. Um, and certainly part of my journey outside of I Love Real Estate has been a lot of mindset stuff. Um, I had a lot of blocks around money. I had a lot of blocks around confidence, you know, the whole lot of stuff I needed to work around and, and, and get through, which I've been doing on the side. Um, so, yeah, it just people telling me thinking bigger. And, again, it's it's another light bulb moment. I had a, a Brains Trust person who was saying to me, realistically, bigger deals, it's all the same stuff. You go into a you go into property and it's about solving problems. Um, and yeah, okay, you might want some specific knowledge about specific problems you'll encounter in a reno versus a development, for example, but it's still being creative and having that ability to solve problems and move forward. So, and he, he actually was saying to me, a bigger deal is just different, bigger problems. It's not, it's not the, the thought process is identical to a small deal. So, you know, anyway, I finally sort of, that light bulb went off a bit in me and I, I got a little <laughs> enthusiastic. <laughs> and um, considering at the moment, I didn't have any available money because things are tied up elsewhere. Um, and then this deal for a, a 6,000 square metre block worth, five, well, it was a little more than 5.4 million, but my offer was 5.4 million came across my desk. Um, and I thought, oh, this looks fun. I'll go take a look at this. And when I started doing some of the FISOs on a uh, round about 14 to 16 townhouse development, it all stacked up. And I'm going, okay, so this is, you know, 5.4 million. I don't have any money to do this right at this moment in time. 
But I put the offer in and I had to put a 10000 payment in with the offer, which I borrowed from my son. So, and I've now got an investor in place who's paying the deposit on the deal. I've got a long settlement. I don't have to settle for 18 months. So, yeah, the investor's basically paying the deposit and the cost of the development approval. And the idea is that, um, yeah, I'll roll straight into construction funding once the settlement period ends. So... That's um, so that that's a that's a huge step. What's yeah. the, do you have an idea of what you would what, what the kind of like the largest deal you were doing prior to that? Um, well, as I said, I've been managing other people's deals for a little while, but the, the, uh-huh. one, with, okay. the one with Steve was um, I said six hundred k buy-in. Um, but yeah, deals similar size to that. I mean, the price points rate gone up a little bit over the years, but essentially that one into two type level was probably about the biggest deal I'd done prior. Um, and, now, and now you're just blown that out of the water with, 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 <laughs> with 5.4 mil. And, and you didn't use any of your money. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a bit crazy. Um, but, you know, I, it's, it's all comes down to the numbers. And, I mean, anyone who's been to one of my coffee mornings will know that my favourite mantra is you must do the numbers, do the numbers, do the numbers. It all comes down to numbers. I say it over and over and over. And, you know, tend to go, ooh, spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. And people look at me like I'm weird. Um, but it, it's true. And that's one of the things, I, you know, you get out of Ultimate is Dimda talks a lot about the numbers in terms of, you know, how do you do a feasibility? How do you do grid variance? All this stuff that goes, you don't just see a block and think, oh, this looks fun, I'll do this. You know, you've got to have all those things in place. You've got to do that due diligence to know a deal is feasible because mm-hmm. otherwise you just buy, if you just buy a house and think, okay, I'll just knock it down and build two and the numbers don't work, well, you're in trouble. So, yeah, I know I talk about that a lot at coffee meetings. <laughs> doing and I want to expand on that too because that's because you've, you've been doing those coffee meetings like for, for years now, haven't you? Mm-hmm. And you even did them via Zoom. Yep. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant to, to hear. I'll, let's let's expand a little bit later. So, um, so with this deal now, right? So you've got into it. It's come across your desk, and you've gone, okay, let's get into it. No money down. Hey, let's solve this problem. <laughs> Who's got ten grand? You come in. You found that. Now you've you've got an, another business partner to come in to finance it as well. Yep. Um, well, a huge well done. Now, what? Um, what options have you got? Because you've got a couple of different options with that place too, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. Well, originally when I looked at it, I was looking at townhouses and I'd heard from the agent that um, somebody else had done a pre-app meeting with council on it and had tried to go in with 19 and council had said 14. So I did all my fees on 14, um, although the actual plan we're putting to council is 16 because, you know, always got to push it. And councils like to feel like they've won a little battle. So if they talk it back to 14, hey, I'm happy. Um so, yeah, so that was my original plan. Which, and then I was talking to, again, another somebody else checking it over to just see what they thought. And he was saying to me, well, have you thought about a land subdivision? So I'm like, oh, no, because in Melbourne, you don't tend to think of land subdivisions because most councils don't like them very much and they tend to want you to have all your plans and everything all drawn up just to do a land subdivision. Um, so I went off and crunched some numbers with that. And funnily enough, doing like, 14 or 16 townhouse sites was less profitable than doing 10 larger sites because the larger sites around 500 square metres um, are, are more considered house blocks rather than townhouse mm. blocks. And in this area, um, that's what people want. I mean, at the moment, people around me are, are knocking houses down just to build a McMansion. I mean, mm. and they're paying 
very good money to buy old houses to knock down. And, and there's, there's one disappearing every two weeks within walking distance of where I live because I'm in a similar area to where this deal is. So I looked at it and said, all right, well, I'm, better, I'm actually better off doing 10 lots. Um, and then just to throw me a curveball, the same person also said, have you thought about aged care facility? I'm like, no, I haven't thought about an aged care facility. Now, I'm not game enough to try and, and I don't think it's, yeah, I think an aged care group is better off developing their own facility because they know exactly what they want. Um, but yeah, I've had a couple had conversations with a couple of different aged care providers um, who are interested in me flipping the deal to them as a raw site and they'll go off and do all their own development stuff. Um, and one of them was so close, but they already had a facility not very far away that's getting quite old and they were a little worried about creating their own competition. So you know, but that's okay. It's two more still in talks. But if that comes through, then that flips within under six months. Um, yeah, it makes about one and a half million dollars profit, roughly. So roughly, nice. roughly, one and a half mil profit in six months. And yeah. you put how much money in? None. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing. That's amazing, hey. Yeah. So you, but you've got but the, the thing I love about what you're doing here is that you've because you've got a a, um, a great insight into feasibility and the numbers. You're just crunching the numbers for each specific strategy, mm. um, and it and it's just given you all of these choices. Mm. Well, yeah, and because the land one's my next favourite because if I if I do get the ten lots I'm asking for, um, it'll be uh, it's over forty percent ROI and about two and a half million profit. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, another mill. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's a mill between friends? Yeah. But it, it it takes a little bit longer, hey? Yeah, it does. So there's more yeah. time and effort, and you know all that sort of stuff involved. So yeah, and then the fourteen townhouses is around about eighteen percent and uh, two mil. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Ah, yeah. oh, um, now this is, look, I've got to say, this is, this is, it's so nice to hear that you've come into the community. You're feeling like, oh, gee, you know, not the confidence and you've got to think big. And here you are, you're doing exactly yeah. what you've kind of been wanting to achieve. So mm. yeah. Awesome. So cool to hear. Um, and you've, you've got something else kind of in the pipeline, haven't you? Yeah, well, I've been working on one into fours as well, so which I'm negotiating. I've actually had a text message turn up while I've been talking to you because, um, yeah, I'm going in to sign off an offer on that this afternoon. So um, that one's got a tricky tree, though, so we'll see. Yeah, wow, <laughs> wow. That awesome. main argument has been how long a due diligence period will they allow me because I said I'm not buying it without a due diligence clause. Yeah, yeah. The tree is tricky. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, now, look, um, one of the things I want to kind of ask you here um, is you've kind of gone through and you've done, obviously, you're, you've, you've pretty much shifted a whole lot of your approach. You've taken everything to another level, um, which is also, you know, doing a deal with no money down, 5.4 mil in, it's, and you've got multiple choices ranging from, what, one and a half mil up to two and a half mil profit. Amazing, just amazing. Um, but I want to have a look at kind of like 
what happens if you run into a problem and, and you kind of feel like, mm, I just don't know how to solve that? D- does that does that happen for you? Like, I mean, you're quite you're quite <laughs> experienced, you know, but <laughs> if, quite if a few it, times already just on that deal. <laughs> well, okay, okay. So, so what happens? What do you do in that situation? Um, I then look around at the people I know in the community and my brains trust and say, okay, who's the person who's either done something like this before? has done something similar before or might have experience and I reach out to them and ask the questions. Um, so yeah, I, I really rely heavily on community if if I don't have the answer myself or can't work it out myself. Um, and yeah, and there's just so many great people I've met again through coffee meetings and at going to boot camps and whatever's. Um, and they're just such a range of different people, you know, mm. it's every and and somebody somewhere will have done what it is that I'm trying to do. And I just have to work out who that person is and go ask them. And, I, and I'm constantly blown away by the generosity of people in, in sharing their knowledge and time and experience with me. Um, I like to think that I pay that back in, a, in my own small way with stuff I do, with, particularly with the coffee mornings. But yeah, that, that willingness of the community to just share. Um, it's not something you come across a lot outside of places like I Love Real Estate, um, you know, particularly when it comes to talking money and anything like that. And a lot of people... If they know you're doing property stuff, they think you're, you know, a greedy fat cat. And I mean, it, it's it can be very negative outside of the community sometimes with the sort of things I'm doing. So I I just yeah I rely heavily on the people I've met and know, and that's again been one of the biggest things for me with doing Ultimate is is that access and that ability to now know all those people which I wouldn't have had without it. So I'm very mm. blessed. It's it's this absolute magic about the I Love Real Estate community, you know. Um, it it has an absolute it's a life of its own. It, it has its own energy, and it just it's it's continually uh, amazes me. So I'm really glad you kind of, you know, you brought that up. I mean, Dimna describes it as you know as having mates in the market, yeah. um, and um, you know. Could you could you like elaborate a little bit more on 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 because you've You've been doing these coffee mornings for years now. Can you kind of share a little bit about, I mean, we, we kind of like, I think you've explained a little bit about why you did them, but a little bit more about why, you know, uh, if somebody else wants to do one, what would they do to go about it? Because this is something that you've been doing for years. You've got a reputation about doing it in Melbourne, um, which, which is awesome. And I know that there's others around Australia, but if anyone else is kind of looking at it, what, how did you go about it and, 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 and how do you think it works well to have these meetups? Okay, well, I, there's, you can sort of do different types of meetups. There's plenty that have come out of specific boot camps, I know. Um, but I find the, the reason or the... I think the coffee mornings work well is that people can come and go at any level at any time. Um, it's fairly laid back. We don't have specific agendas. Um, I know there are other groups that run on a much more, you know, structured way and that's, you know, that suits them. Um, but I like the fact that anyone can come along and talk about anything and either I can help them or someone else can have them help them. Um, they often find other JV partners Um so yeah, it's sort of a case of I think if you want to if you want to do something like that, just start. Just put up a time and a place and whatever, and just start. Because essentially, I mean, I think I because one thing I learnt right from when I first asked people about, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Um, you'll never find the right day, you'll never find the right time, and you'll mm. never find the right place for everybody. So just set something up and take action. 
because, yeah, that's what I did. I just said, okay, well, I'll have a Friday and a Sunday because that covers people who want weekdays and weekends. Um, yeah, and I just went for it, um, you know, and it ebbs and flows. We have meetings where we have stacks of people and we have meetings where I'm sitting there by myself. I mean, you just don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's always such a good experience to sit down and chat property mm. and, and yeah, sometimes we chat other things as well but you know but it's 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 about just making those connections and getting to know those people and I've got people now that I met in some of the earlier coffee mornings who I'd call friends now because I've known them that long and you know it's it's just brilliant having your own tribe <laughs> mm, mm. it's an important thing isn't it because that was really important for you having your own tribe yeah very important yeah, yeah, good, 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 good. Uh, now, is there so so with having, you know, the brains trust as you call it? Actually, Dimna calls it as well. She calls the community the brains trust as well. You know, yeah. reach out to the brains. So it's kind of like a thing. I think we've all. I don't know. <laughs> did you did you start it? Were you starting calling the brains trust? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> no? Okay, all right. Well, anyway, well, the brains trust. That's a it's an interesting kind of concept for the for the mm. uh, for the community. Um, have you found a problem that you can't solve? No. I've found problems that I've solved in ways that potentially weren't the way I'd like to solve them, but they've still been solved. I mean, I think one of the examples I shared with you was uh, a JV, which was meant to be a Renault flip deal regional. Um, the market moved. We had problems on the deal. Um, and essentially, by the time we got to the point of selling it, we, he would have the JV partner would have lost money. Um, so okay, that was one possibility. We could have done that. That would have solved the problem. But, you know, you never like to lose money. But being regional and because of what we'd done with the house and everything, it was actually possible for him to hold it and get positive cash flow from it. So he's done that. Um, and now that the regional market's moved so much, he could actually sell it at a profit now. He hasn't. He's kept the cash flow because it's a nice little profit source for him. Um, but that was an example of a problem I couldn't, solve in that I couldn't make the house sell for more than it was going to sell for but I still solved it by coming up with plan b you know mm. and and to be fair one of the reasons we'd chosen regional in the first place was because I'd always said as an absolute fallback you could still keep the house and get positive return from it um so not really expecting those words to come true but they they did so that's the closest I've come to a problem. As I said, I solved it, but not in the way that made everybody happy. Mm, um, mm. You know, I know his wife wasn't happy. I think she'd already spent the lump sum she thought she was getting from selling it. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just have to, you have to go with what's going to work or what's the best, you know, the best solution out of not so great solutions. They can't all be perfect. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Felicity, could you give us a bit of an idea? I mean, because you're working with a lot of other people, um, how do you approach a JV? And obviously, there's two components to it. It will be the deal and it will be the partner. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit about how you, how you do that? Yeah, I mean, I know some people find the deal first and then go find the, the partners. And to be fair, the 5.4 million one sort of was a little bit like that because I did take on the deal without actually having the money partner lined up. Um, as it turns out, the money partner is somebody I know and who trusts me and I trust them. So that worked. But um, prior to that, I tended to go with getting to know people first. Um, certainly Steve and I had met numerous times for coffees and, you know, really got a sense of who we were as people. Because, um, uh, I mean, the one, you can do JVs with almost anybody, but the, the thing is, what are they going to be like if there's a problem? 
And mm. that's and that's one of the hardest things to try and work about somebody because most JVs, if everything goes relatively smoothly, they'll be fine, you know. Um, but it's when the proverbial hits the fan that sometimes people show their true colours and that can be really hard. So that's why I, I really like to know my JV partners. Um, I said with Steve, we work from a point of, okay, we want to do a JV, let's find the deal. This current deal, I did find the deal first and then put the feelers out and said, hey, I need a money partner and somebody I know has stepped up. So, um, yeah, it's to me that relationship's important. I've, I've heard someone refer to doing a JV on a property together as being like a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways it is. And that ability to t- keep talking to each other, even when things aren't going right. Um, I mean, like the deal I mentioned before, the regional one, you know, one of the, the highest accolades I could get was the JV partner saying to me at the sort of end of it all was, okay, maybe it didn't work out the way I thought. But he said, you know what, some way down the track, if I wanted to do another JV, I'd do a JV with you again. And I was like, wow, that's so awesome. Because I felt like I'd failed him almost by not delivering what we originally hoped to deliver. But he was like, no, the JV process side of it was brilliant. Okay, other stuff happened. But, you know, and I, I really liked that fact and the fact that we still had that positive relationship. You know, and I mean, I texted him a few times when I'd been looking in other things in that area going, hey, look, the prices have gone up to this if you wanted to sell, you you know. Um, so we've still kept that connection going. Um yeah, so I think that is the, yeah. And I know people do them with strangers and they all work out perfectly okay, but that's just never been my sort of strategy. I've tended to always end up with people I know. So, you know. Good, good. Yeah, good, good. Well, look, and thanks. always have a good legal agreement. Yeah. <laughs> good. No, I'm, uh, actually, I told the money partner that yesterday because we we're still just getting all the final bits of paperwork in place for this deal. And, and, I, and he made some joke about it. And I said, I don't care how well you know somebody or how much you love them or if they're family, friends, whatever, you still have paperwork. You never do anything without paperwork. <laughs> and it's like insurance. You hope like hell you never have to actually like claim on your insurance, but you certainly want to have it. And, and I, I think paperwork's like that. You, you put it all in place. You grudge paying the money to the lawyers to do it. But if you need it down the track, you'll be so glad you did. So that's a a really good point that it's like insurance. You never want to need it, but it's always, but, but then if it is there and you do need it, you've got it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great approach. Great approach. Um, Felicity, how how is your life different now to before you joined the community? How are things changed for you? Um, Well, as I said, I had been a stay at home mum doing all my bits and pieces. I did as part of my big change of turning 50 was I did get a part-time job because I just wanted the security of knowing um, I had a certain amount there to pay stuff every week or every month and that also helped settle down all that noise about how am I going to pay stuff Um, but at the time I sort of set the goal in my head of I want to be earning all my income from property and certainly in my head that equated to profits from deals Um, But the weird part is that although, sure, there's been some money coming in from that direction, I've also now set up a business with Steve running people, you know, renos or supervising supervising renovations or subdivisions and stuff for other investors. Um, So obviously something comes in from that. I now have some, do some ad hoc sort of part-time work for a couple of people in property education space. So it's funny, I'm now 
already, and I've, I actually left my job last year, middle of last year, because I didn't need it anymore. Um, so I am actually earning all my income from property right now. So it's mm. funny how if you put the goals out there, maybe I wasn't specific enough. <laughs> I'd probably get wrapped over the knuckles by Dimpton for not being specific enough about my ideal. But I'd had in my head that I wanted to be out of like work, getting my income full time from property before I think I gave myself five years. Um, and I'm doing that. So, hey, I'm really happy. And I, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I love having that flexibility. And it's funny, all these people now are all, all loving working from home. And I'm like, hey, I was already doing that. Um, <laughs> and I'm still doing it now, even though, you know, people are starting to go back to offices and things in Victoria. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how my path, my path, my journey has taken me on a different path to that that I envisaged. But mm it's still basically the same goal is still coming true for, or has come true for me. It's just now I'm just going to make that goal bigger, you know, Uh, (laughs) 5.4 million deals and I'll be right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Awesome. So um, what would you tell, like if, if, um, if, you know, there's a student who's literally just joined up, just joined up, got a whole lot of kind of, ideals and you know enthusiasm to get started what would you tell them what what's what, what you know what should they do when they're just joined up uh relax take your time um i i do get a lot of people turn up at coffee meetings who are like oh my god i've been in the program for a month and i haven't done a deal yet what's wrong with me and it's like mm, there's nothing wrong with you um it takes time there's a lot of information in there i personally think you've got to do the boot camp or watch old recordings of one's two, three times at least if you're new. Um, I, I tell people, give yourselves three to six months minimum to get absorbed stuff and get it straight in your head and, and work out what suits you. Um, yeah, because one of the things I see a lot of is this shiny object thing of, you know, oh, I, I like Renault's, but commercial sounds good. And, and a lot of new people do get stuck in that if they try to push too hard to get into deals too quickly. They don't they don't really, they haven't done enough learning to really understand what's going to work best for them. And that's why they end up in this endless loop of jumping from strategy to strategy. So yeah, just do the learning. I mean, there is so much information available to you. There's so many back recordings of things. There's, you know, there's Facebook groups where you can ask questions if you're confused. There's, you know, there's webinars and, and they're all there on the website. I mean, I, I swear, I, I mean, I say three to six months, but I'm sure it probably would take you more like a year or more to actually get through all the stuff that's available. And the more learning you do, the, the readier you will be to get into the right deal when the time comes, you know. Um, so, yeah, the best thing is don't rush it. Take the mm. time, let it sink in, learn it, because that will pay off. And particularly learn the numbers side of it. Learn how to judge deal because that's crucial. And and I guess a little bit of being prepared to be flexible um, because, you know, again, any strategy works, but they don't work everywhere all the time. And sometimes, you know, you think, oh, I really want to do a one into two subdivision. But, you know, it might not work in your suburb. So be flexible enough to recognise that. And rather than pushing through with a strategy that's going to lose your money, look at it and say, okay, well, maybe I need to do a bit of grid variance and work out a better suburb or where mm. it does work. Or So, yeah, that ability to, to be that little bit flexible and the more you learn, the better able you are to be flexible and to recognise that. So, mm. Mm. yeah. 
Good points, great points. Uh, now, Felicity, I just wanted to let you know, Lisa said fantastic journey, Felicity. There's a couple of comments there. <laughs> and also, I feel fantastic living it. <laughs> <laughs> and on Facebook, we've got Felicity, love your authentic down-to-earth attitude. Great story. That's from Helena. Thank you. Uh, and then... Um, Lou said, love it, Felicity. Coffee mornings, just do it. Yes. Uh, uh, awesome. And then Helena said, what about advice uh, for the way around people who have been in for a while but lost their mojo? Yeah, well, that comes back to, again, one of the primary things it talks about. And, in fact, I had somebody on one of the Zoom coffees the, just the other day was sort of coming back into it after a break. And she was looking at a deal, but she... Yeah, you, it was obvious that she didn't know what she needed to achieve or why she was doing it. And I was saying to her, go back to the boot camps, go right to the sessions where Dimta talks about your why, because you need to know your why, because she's like, oh, is this a good deal? I'm going, well, that depends on what your why is. Why didn't, you know, is it, you know, um, and yeah, and I, it does come up. And I think all you can do is, is redo the bits about your goals and your why. Um, I've done that a number of times over the last five or six years where I've had to really go back to that because sometimes it's hard. I'm not motivated by material things like, you know, fleshy cars or big houses or all that, um, but I am motivated by helping other people. And sometimes it's a little difficult with it because that's a little bit more of a nebulous why, but it's still a why. And so I've had to go back and really try and flesh that out and be more specific about ways that I want to help people. And I do mm. have a couple of pet projects in the back of my head that once I've grown my property empire a bit <laughs> and my, you know, my equity base, um, I do know what I want to do with that. So it all comes back to why if the, if was it the uh, dreams big enough, the facts don't count or something like that. Um, if you want something enough, you'll go for it. But as I said, I, I think maybe that's probably the key if you've lost your motivation and, the other side of that is also getting around people in the community and just talking mm. to them. Because once you start talking to other people, that really fires you up and, and watching some of the success stories and, and listening to other people's journeys. And because, okay, you get your, your students in here who sort of come in the door and, and almost like take a flying leap and next minute, you know, they're up on stage and they're in a gazillions. And, but the vast majority of people, we, we tend to just plot along at our own pace. Life interferes sometimes. We have a break, but then we come back and, and, it's that persistence and just going, okay, I've lost my way a little bit. What's the problem? Why aren't I doing this? Why am I feeling like this? And most often I find it is reconnecting to the why. Just why mm, do you want to mm. do this? Um, and being realistic about what you can achieve in, in what time frame. Um, again, I think a lot of people come in and, and do see the, the people who take off running and feel inadequate somehow when they look at them. And I think it's really important to recognize everybody's journey is different. And you need to take your journey at your own speed in your own direction. Um, yeah, so. Mm, great, great insight. Yeah, yeah. On purpose. Be on purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah with with your why. And be warned that if you come to Coffee Mornings, you may occasionally get a burst of tough love from me. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it very often, but every now and then I do. Yeah, sort of. Well, as I, said, I told that particular person, go back to your why. Go back and do the boot camp bits about that. Because that's yeah. what you've lost track of. You don't know why you're doing it and you don't know where you're, what you're trying to achieve. So how can you achieve it if you don't know what you're after? 
Absolutely. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why that peg in the sand is always there. Yes. Number one. Yeah. 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 Good, 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 good. Um, look, I think, is, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Because you, you thank you for taking the time out. I, th I think we're kind of like got a really fascinating insight and um, into what you've done. And we're kind of looking forward to, to seeing, you know, what you get into as well further down the track. But yeah. um, <laughs> how am I? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. It's amazing. Once you open your mind to possibilities, it's like, I've looked at a few things just in the last couple of weeks. And I'm going, oh my God, I'm looking at like a hundred apartment complex thing, but it doesn't work up. Numbers don't stack. But yeah, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't even have looked at that even two months ago. And it's like, oh dear. Once I've let the beast out of the cage. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Um, and look, the one other thing that I probably need to mention as well is we do have the Momentum Mastermind with it coming up tomorrow so if you want a bit of a you know kick in the pants as you say get back into it especially after the if the new year's resolutions haven't been kind of carried forward jump into that one which is coming up tomorrow as well yeah. um felicity thank you so much no thank you so much for um <laughs> for, for for sharing and for having a chat yeah it's been yeah. it's been a lot of fun really enjoyable um Namaste said, really well done. Learned a lot from you. And where, where's the link from Momentum? Check out your emails. Namaste, there will be an email that comes out and also onto the Facebook group. And um, there will be also on the members only website. Okay. So just check out those. There'll be a link to join. It'll be first thing tomorrow. It's, all, it's a full day. It's a full day from nine until five tomorrow. That's the Momentum Mastermind event. Um, so yeah, so thank you. Thank you. Um, very much appreciated. And for those of you in Melbourne, you can always catch up with Felicity at the, um, the coffee meetups. Yep. Now, we should mention as well, this is in the groups, all of that information, especially with local meetups, most of that you'll find in the local groups, which we have. So we have I Love Real Estate groups in every major kind of state, generally in the main cities. Um, and so if you are in Melbourne, you need to join the Melbourne group and then you let everyone know about those coffee meetups in Melbourne, don't you? Yeah, well, they're pretty consistent. I usually do the first Friday, 10.30, and then the third Sunday, 10.30 in the morning. So, um, okay. But I do still post events in there, yes. Excellent, excellent. And then, and, then, and then others around, you know, if you're involved in other areas and you can't get to the Melbourne one, you want to do one in Sydney and other areas, by all means, you know, like Felicity mentioned, just do it. Just start it. Just get it going. So awesome. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. We're all done. Uh, what have we got here? Uh, Felicity, thank you so much. What a ride, hey? That's from Lisa. Um, and Lisa is also, oh, Lisa's in both on Facebook and there. What location? Cafe. Lisa, jump into the Melbourne I Love Real Estate Facebook group and Felicity will mention exactly where it is. Yeah, you can connect up if you haven't already. It's the Melbourne I Love Real Estate uh, Facebook group and you can get that under the community tab um, on the, on the um, members only website. Yep. And I'm sure that in this comment on Facebook, we'll put in the link there too. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, look, we're all done. Thank you so much uh, once again. Uh, and thanks everyone for joining uh, via Facebook and via Zoom. Um, this is obviously going into the uh, Facebook group. So anyone who wants to review it can go into the Facebook and you'll be able to review this one. We also uh, edit them and put them up onto the members only website to look at later as well. Um, hope you have a fantastic Friday afternoon. And remember, we've got the Momentum Mastermind with Dipner on tomorrow. So if you haven't already, make sure if you can make that time, it's going to be awesome. There's got, she's got some really good stuff 
happening tomorrow. There's going to be workshops uh, in the afternoon. I'm not going to tell you any more. She's going to tell you more, but it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool to get into. So that's what's happening up tomorrow. And then, of course, we've got the boot camp coming up uh, in 19th, 20th, and 21st of March. That's going to be in Sydney for the Sydney Siders, and then via Zoom, we'll stream it in in the hybrid version, which I think everyone you're kind of getting pretty comfortable with as well. So you can watch it via streaming, or if you're in Sydney, you sh- you can um, you can attend. Uh, that's it from me. Thanks again, Felicity. Um, do right. well. Have a, have a great um, afternoon on Friday. And, um, yeah, we'll catch everyone around, hey? No worries. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Thanks, Listy. All right. See you, everyone. Bye.